Welcome to the Being Fearless Podcast. In this podcast, we work on facing our fears so we can live our best lives. There's always going to be a voice inside you saying you can't. I'm here to tell you, yes, you can. I'm your host, Jackie Robbins. I'm a confidence coach, an ulcerative colitis warrior, Star Wars nerd, dog mom, and a fitness enthusiast with a cupcake problem. It's okay to be scared. Do it anyway. Hey, fearless friends. I have an amazing interview for you guys today. I am so excited for today's guest. So, Kristen Hankey, I have so many amazing things I want to say about this woman, but the simplest way to describe what Kristen does is she's a sex coach, but her work is so much more than that. To get a little woo-woo on you, Kristen's passion lies at the access of feminine wholeness and erotic expression. In her one-on-one group coaching, she empowers women to unapologetically claim their sexuality through healing shame, embracing their desire, and embodying pleasure in and out of the bedroom. She is straight fire. She says it like it is. This was probably one of my favorite interviews so far. Um, Kristen is also the creator and host of the Nothing Confidential podcast, which is one of my go-to podcasts. I listen weekly. You guys, go get it. It's on iTunes, Nothing Confidential. And it's a platform created with the singular mission to normalize taboo topics surrounding female sexuality in order to shine a light on the societal, cultural, and religious shame and stigma that prevents us from healing our trauma, being at home in our bodies, and experiencing true wholeness and liberation. I actually, um, she has a group coming up um, called The Living Room, which is dedicated to women ready to take the first steps towards reconnecting to their sensual sexual energy and awakening desire, and it kicks off August 11th. I am going to post some links in the show notes to connect with her on Insta and to learn a little bit more about The Living Room, and I'll make it super easy for you guys to listen to the podcast, and I'll pop it in there. But I just want to let you know, we are going to be talking about sex. So sit back, grab some coffee, and enjoy the conversation. Hey, Kristen, how are you? So good, Jackie. Good to see you. Thank you so much for doing this. I am so excited to talk to you today. I'm jazzed. I'm like in my bathrobe still. I've got my coffee, the baby's napping. I'm like, ooh, this is like a self-care combo. Right, exactly. I love just sitting here with my coffee and hanging out. Um, So tell us a little bit about like your journey and how you got to where you are right now. So that... (laughs) I know it's like the loaded question right now. It's always crippling because you're like, all right, are we going to like David Copperfield day one I was born or are we going (laughs) to, you know, like where, how far back do we want to go here? I guess to give context uh, to the listeners. So we'll say where I am today and then work our way backwards a little bit. We'll just flip it. So today I identify uh, as a sex coach, erotic alchemist, uh, mentor, supporter of women who are seeking to have a more embodied, liberated, um, colorful variety, you know, of sexual experiences in their life. Like I am here for women reconnecting to their sexuality, owning their sexual power, being comfortable, being at home in their body and being able to ask for what they want because in life, but also in the bedroom, it's all connected you guys. We have been conditioned to show up and perform and be pretty and be perfect. And we weren't taught how to 
ask for what we actually want. We weren't taught how to explore and learn what actually makes us feel good and what actually brings us delight and what brings us pleasure. We're taught that we are here for the pleasure of other people and that Mm -hmm. runs really deep. That conditioning runs really, really deep. So all of my work from a podcast to a weekly newsletter to Instagram, dumping my guts and heart out (laughs) to, um, you know, group coaching and one-on-one coaching, like all of my work really just centers around that. So as far as how I got to this place, you know, I think there's always foreshadowing. Oh yeah. (laughs) And I, and I grew up in the South, in the Bible belt, and I was also homeschooled and like really churched. And so I had multiple layers of generational and societal conditioning around lots of stuff, but specifically around sexuality, sex was something that A, wasn't talked about. When Mm -hmm. it was talked about, there were all of these conditions placed on it. Like sex is for a man and a woman who are married, who don't do anything too exciting or too, you know, erotic because that's just perverted. And basically it's only to bring children into the world. And, you know, if you do accidentally end up having fun, like that's probably only because you guys waited until you got married and you (laughs) saved all of that goodness um, for each other. But most specifically, it's because I, the woman, saved my flower, myself, my purity, my my pleasure, my body, my everything. I saved all of that for the man that I would marry. Whereas that man may or may not have done as good a job saving himself, but you know what? Boys will be boys. So if he didn't, God will forgive him. Society forgives him. And like, he is still able to receive my perfection that I spent my whole life guarding really well. And I don't know about you, but I mean, even around the age of nine, I remember being like, this doesn't, this doesn't add up. Like this doesn't make sense to me. Why is it this way? And I didn't really have a place to take my questions or my curiosity. And I was extremely curious. You couldn't go to your parents, right? Like you didn't have one of those like relationships. Cause I know like Mm -hmm. I grew up in one of those families, you could legitimately talk about everything, but for me, there was enough shame around Mm -hmm. talking about sex or anything like that. Like I remember the sex talk and I was like, Oh, this is so uncomfortable. And I was like, I don't want to do this again. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't ever want to talk to my parents about that. And like things would come up here and there and I just like turn red and walk away. So like, I never knew what, what are you supposed to do with those questions? Yeah. And, and mine was, you know, I think there was some of that, but to be honest, my mother, uh, had a really traumatic, uh, upbringing when, as far as it came, like there was a lot of abuse in her history, much of it was sexual. And so she really parented and educated out of a place of fear and shame, really intense fear and shame. And from a position of wanting to protect us and make sure that nothing that ever happened to her ever happened to us. And so the entire conversation, energy, et cetera, was very fearful and then very shut down. And so I remember the sex talk too, and it was, it was very official and, uh, there, yeah, it was extremely official. I, an encyclopedia Britannica was brought out and it was basically explained within those realms of like, well, when a man and a woman love each other very much and they're married, that was thrown in there. This is the physical act that happens. And if it's successful, you get pregnant. So don't be doing this before, you know, you're married and the appropriate age to raise a child because this is what is going to happen. And that came off of the tail end of me uh, watching Father of the Bride with my cousin. And I was like, I think I was around nine or 10. And uh, Steve Martin, you know, is yelling after his daughter. He's like, don't forget to buckle your condom. And he's like, I mean, seatbelt, seatbelt. And so my dad, I didn't know that my dad had been doing some brilliant censorship all these years, all the times I'd watched it. And I didn't realize that that was in there. So I hear it for the first time and I'm a kid and I'm like, wait, this is new. Like I just, I zeroed in on it. I look at my cousin and I'm, she's like 11 and I'm like, what's a condom? She goes to public school. I'm homeschooled. She goes to public school. She's had sex education. So she knows what a condom is. <laughs> and I say, what's a condom? And she goes, uh, you should ask your dad. And I was like, oh, great idea. So my dad comes oh, to pick God. me up. My dad comes to pick me up later that night. I get in the truck and I'm like, as soon as the door shut, I'm like, dad, what's a condom? And he's like, like his face. He just like, I could hear like circuits frying. He was just like, oh, and he goes, uh, 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 
that is a great question that you should ask your mom. And I was like, okay. So I get home, do to do, run back to the back of the house where mom is mom. Dad said that I should ask you what a condom is. And she's like, oh, oh, okay. And so she closes the door. So first thing, it's like, this is not a conversation that we have out loud. This is not like something we want to talk about. Like we want to shut the door and then I'm going to pull out my book and I'm going to talk in hushed tones and like give you the rundown. And then of course at the end, because I'm like nine or 10, all that is in my brain is you and dad do that to each other. (laughs) Like that was all, that was all that my tiny brain can handle. I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then I was like, okay, well, thanks. And I like, remember like leaving as quickly as I could. And I was like, all right, I don't really want to think about this. Um, (laughs) and that was my first like real education on it. And to be honest, there wasn't a ton of follow up. Like there wasn't much after that. It was very much me finding, like, I, I remember spending time, my mom was an artist. And so every art book I could find that that she hadn't like censored somehow, I would like dig them out and I would like spend time with like naked, you know, pictures, like looking at naked art and like nude sculptures and like every book I could find at the library, I would go through the library and I would find books about, you know, reproduction and like all this stuff. And I'm just sitting here taking in all of these things as a kid and just trying to make it make sense. And so the curiosity was always there. The drive to find out was always there. I was always very embodied. I was sexual from a really young age. And when you grow up in the church, that, um, at least the experience that I had, that energy is very quickly uh, kind of misdiagnosed and you are made to feel some kind of way about it. It's kind of like, hey, you need to like get your kid under control because she's, you know, she's a Jezebel or she's, a, you know, I mean, it was, it was scary. It was, you know, you were very much kind of uh, put in a corner by yourself and there was all of these really inappropriate just assumptions and things said about me as a child who was not doing, like in hindsight, was doing zero wrong. I was just existing in my body that started to mature faster than I had any control over. And there was just like a huge, like overwhelm of a fear response that happened. And so the shame was all there from day one. The fear was all there from day one. Didn't make any sense to me. And so I kind of moved away from, you know, all of that. When I moved out of the house fairly early, I moved to Nashville when I was like 19. And I basically was like, you know what? Like I held on to my virginity per the Bible and church until I was 19 years old. And then I got engaged way too young. Mm -hmm. And during that engagement, it was, you know, came like right down to the wire and we were doing what, you know, good church kids do when we play like everything, but it's like, you know, we play just the tip and pretend like God's totally fine with that. He's not okay with everything else, but like naked groping, all of that totally fine. As long as nothing actually goes in, as long as there's no penetration on the right side of God, like that's a thing. Uh, so, you know, I was playing just the tip one day with my fiance and because he's my fiance, so we're really close to be married and things went a little bit too far. And I was like, Ooh, okay, well, uh, we're going to get married. So this isn't a big deal. Like we're going to get married. No big deal. And then, surprise, we didn't get married because I was 19. (laughs) Right. That would have been terrible. That's not always a good idea. So, and I was like, oh, shoot, like virginity, my whole lifetime of protecting my innocence and my, and my purity out the window. And literally like (laughs) this phrase that my grandmother used to say came to mind. She was like, well, the pussy's out of the bag and you ain't putting it back in. And I was like, literally, (laughs) literally the cat meow is out of the bag and there is no way to put it back in there. And I don't even know that I want to, because all of this, you know, feels like a, a scheme from the very beginning. So I'm like, it stinks. This thing stinks to high heaven of, you know, uh, well, patriarchy for one. (laughs) So, you know, that was kind of my like, okay, well, lost my virginity. And now I don't believe in any of the shit that I was taught as a child. Um, and I don't have my hymen in place anymore. So I guess I'm just going to go have a bunch of sex and like free myself and figure out like what all the fuss was about. And that was actually a very, looking back on it, it was a very healing, liberating, empowered experience for me. And there are plenty of people who are going to be like, ah, like that's going to make them really uncomfortable. And I love that, that is literally what that. I'm here for. Oh, yeah. they're going to be uncomfortable. But I love that you say that because I think a lot of times what we say is, um, I hear women say it all the time and I've said it about myself. 
Oh, my 20s. Yeah, I went through a slut phase. And I feel like you have a very different view about that. Because I know so many of the women that are listening right now, they're like, yeah, that's a slut phase. And that's shame. It's shame to even like call yourself a slut. And like, even though I look back at it, and I'm like, ah, you were a little slutty right there. But like, you were just kind of doing your thing and figuring Mm -hmm. it out. So I love how you put it. Well, and I was so like, you know, I'll throw this in there with, I mean, being 30 now versus like 21, whenever I kind of started exploring more, I definitely, like if I were to redo that, I would have so many more tools as far as conscious awareness of like what I was looking for in each scenario and like what I was taking away from each scenario. And I probably would have like filtered a little bit more, you know, I mean, like there's (laughs) definitely things that I would adjust. But overall, you know, I, despite some people's interpretation of my early 20s, I, A, had a rip-roaring good time. B, I was so, like, and I don't know where it came from. This is just, it's just, like, Kristen, like, inner Kristen, inner wisdom, like, my inner vixen, who has always been there, apparently. She just popped out and was like, you know what? Like, hold the phone. Everyone that I've ever spoken to, every adult woman I've ever spoken to, makes it sound like sex isn't that fun. And I'm like, why is that? Because I am under the distinct impression, thanks to an older lover right off the bat, thank God for him, (laughs) that I found out that sex could be extremely wonderful. And so after that, I was like, take no fucking prisoners. Like when I go into a sexual encounter with a guy, I don't care if you are 25 or 45, like I expect you to get your shit together because I know what is possible and if you're not doing that, like, I'm not going to sit here and put on a show for you and and make you feel like you blew my mind if you didn't. And so I just kind of went into these experiences very like, this is what I want. This is how you can give it to me. And like, if you do a great job, there may be repeats. And if you don't do a great job, you'll probably never see me again. <laughs> so that's awesome because I know like from my experience, I will openly admit like, I don't really know what to say or like. And I think this is with a lot of women. We don't know how to ask for what we want. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and I look back at some of the partners that I've had and I just think like, oh, wow, the sex was just sort of like vanilla. It was just kind of like whatever. And like, sometimes I would try to spice it up. I will tell you a really hilarious story because I think you'll get a kick out of it. I love sex bloopers. (laughs) So I have a lot. Yeah. I figure if you're going to be honest, I need to do it as well. Um, and I am always honest, but did you ever watch the show dating naked? I didn't, but it sounds amazing. I think I think I saw naked and afraid. Okay. No, I don't want to be naked. I don't want to be naked and afraid, but years ago, this show was on and I happened to have it on like something I was watching before. And then I left the room and I was sitting there with my boyfriend at the time and we were just watching it and we couldn't stop watching it because I was like, these people are going on a first date. They're naked. And like, all I could think of is if I'm the girl and I'm a good looking girl, like, are you just going to pop wood? Like right out of the gate? Like, that's what I was yeah. worried about. Like, like, right out how the do you keep that from interrupting <laughs> like the bread basket or the first course? Like, how are like, we? I think out of the like two or three seasons it was on, there was only like one or two guys that like did it and only one, and it was one woman and she was like so uncomfortable. And I remember watching it for like a decent amount of time and I was like, we should do that. And my guy was just like, what? And I was like, let's make a date. Oh, God. So, so we did, we had a summer. I can't believe I'm even telling this story because I'm obsessed with this story. Oh my so god! Please we continue. went on naked dates. <laughs> That's so, amazing. I mean, what did what kind of stuff did you do? Was so, it all like fairly like sit down and like keep our stomach sucked in type dates? No, or was it like we, no, we're um, just gonna freaking make sushi and learn that hot rice on naked skin doesn't feel that great. <laughs> all of my friends That's are like, happened. I can't believe she's doing this. So he lived on the water in a pretty secluded type of area. So I think one of the first naked dates we had is we went down to the dock and just sat there and drank wine, like on the water, on the dock. Like if a boat came by, you're going to see us naked. We did that. um, And he also had like we did um, you could crawl up on his roof and hang out there and we would go up there and like have dinner and do it naked. And then I think the one that really cracks me up because we had to wear sneakers is 
Um, he had a disc golf course on his property. Oh my god! We played naked You woman, talk about being fearless. Playing freaking disc golf naked is like, like I like to think that I'm fairly evolved um, and and very confident, you know. But like, even I appreciate a good like two or three hours like in Spanx and a push up bra before we just like you know yeah let it all out and work with what we're dealing with, you know, like. But especially a sport where running is involved. Well, I mean, there isn't really running, but there's like moving of the torso and like, like it's more so like with him, like, you know, his junk is just like flopping up and down. And And oh God, the first like throw out of the gate, I was laughing my ass off and he was like, don't laugh at me. And I was like, I know, I know this was my idea. You're like, but but balls. I was just like, I can't. But then I tried to like calm down. And I mean, we were together three years. This was probably like two years in. So at the time, I think I was just in a place where I was very comfortable with him and I was looking to try to spice it up. And that was my way of being like, okay, like this is what is fun. Like that's my way of asking for it. But I think because uh, it obviously leaded to sex to every sex. single yeah. time. Closure like, off. That is like one of the biggest barriers. Exactly. You're like naked, you're things there. Become, yeah, that's why the naked man works. If you if you watch how I met your mother, yes. the naked man. It's like that's half of it, man. This is my move. Just take your clothes off and see what happens. <laughs> oh my god, that episode is so funny. So good. It's so um, good. but I think like you know, it's really hard for people to be like, you know what? I want you to put it there and move this way. So like. What do you tell women for that? Like, what's a way that we can sort of go? I mean, I don't suggest everybody run out and start naked dating, but if that's your thing, you should. Yeah, I mean, like, if, if that sounds called. fun, go for it. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I, there's a couple. I mean, there's a couple things because everyone, we're all different, right? So what works for me doesn't always, you know, work for everybody else. And I have learned that over the years, uh, because I, for one, so I guess I'll start with what does work for me because that is my lived experience. I am a huge fan of archetypes. I did a lot of theater as a kid and it really, like I was extremely shy and had trouble like speaking in front of people and, you know, being all of myself in front of people. I would shrink. I would like blush hot red from my hairline, like down my body. Like I would get hot when too many people looked at me at once. Like it was really bad. I was super shy. And theater is how I got over that because I got to go onto a stage and pretend to be someone else. So they're looking at someone else. They're not looking at me. They're looking at Rosalind from how you like it. You know, like they're all, they're, they're looking at me as I'm being another person. And it gave me the permission to be in my body and to like learn how to deal with that kind of attention and that kind of energy being directed towards me while I was in my body. And so that was really powerful for me. And so once you get older and you get into the forays of sexuality, like archetypes make a lot of sense. So there is, I could, I could nerd out on the like <laughs> spiritual and emotional benefits of, you know, art an archetypical journey of, you know, inviting in different energies from different types of women and goddesses and characters and, you know, all of this in order to really embody things that we wish we could have more of. It, it's that same kind of taking the pressure off of, you know, Kristen and putting the pressure on to Aphrodite or, you know, whatever, whoever it is. And so that didn't, I didn't have the awareness or the language for that in my early twenties. So it was more like I would see someone do something in a movie that I thought was really badass, And then I would just decide to replicate it. And basically if no one knows where it came from, they think it's you. So yeah. I definitely, I 100% used the whole like sky high heels, lacy underwear, mm-hmm. matching set under a trench coat, show up at the guy's door, drop the trench coat situation. Like that worked for me. I did that more than once. And I it like successful. it. Um, you know, and so it's like these kind of things, like that's what I love is just being like, okay, if I could play this out exactly the way that I want it to, like, what would that look like? What, how would she dress? What would she, what kind of perfume would she have on? Would she have on a bold lip? Would she have like smoky eyes and like a nude lip? Like what, what does this woman who is ferocious and fearless and, you know, just like knows exactly what she wants. She's about to go in and get it. Like, what does she look like, act like, talk like, think like? And I would just, I would embody that to the T and I would just go get it. And that was, that was wonderful. And that really worked for me. But then 
what's interesting is when you get into partnership, that's cool when it's like, you may or may not ever see that person again. It's like shock and awe factor. It like happens one time and they're like, oh my God, you know, like it's anyone can make that work once. So then you get into a partnership though. And you've had, you know, it's, it's a lot more, you're coming back. And and if they did something like even that first night and you're like playing a part. And so they do something and it's not that great, but you're probably never going to see them again. So you're not going to take the time to really educate them or whatever. So you get into partnership and it becomes essential to educate them because we don't want to fake orgasms our whole life. That is a waste of sexual energy. And there is zero shame if you are currently or have ever faked orgasms. Again, that is something we have been freaking conditioned Mm -hmm. to do. That is porn culture. We are taught to do it. But a fake orgasm isn't an orgasm, you guys. So we got to stop doing that. And here's, you know, some ways that you can do that. One way to direct them during the act, the easiest thing to do is to stop performing. So when you are in the moment and you're going at it and they're giving you the business, you, when it's really good, encourage them vocally, maybe talk a little dirty, maybe with your guttural sounds, with sounding, with, you know, just all of the sounds, like let them know, writhe around, like pull on their hair, pull them closer to you, do things to let them know that it feels really good. And the second they start doing that interesting thing that they saw one time and they think it's like amazing and it feels really fucking weird for you, stop. Just go silent. Yeah. Literally go silent because if they are at all attuned to you, they will immediately notice that you are not into it and they will shift around. They will look for something else to do. They will shift you. They will shift them. They will do something to, to get out of that, to make you make noise again. They want to hear you. Oh, so they're going to do something. They're going to adjust. Um, and if they don't notice when you go completely silent or live <laughs> like a fish. That's what I was going to say. Like, are we that, sure men are that self-aware? <laughs> yeah. That's a whole nother situation that's going to need, um, that's going to need some, some digging into. We're going to need to talk about responsiveness and what they're there for. And, you know, if your needs are even, uh, something that is on the table or talked about, you know, and that can be got through. They're, they're not necessarily a monster. It may be training and it may yeah. be your fault partially. So we all got to take responsibility for our stuff and kind of look into that. Um, but that's like a really obvious one. And then my favorite one is, and this is the one that I give the most. It's, it's the, it's the, the post sex coffee date with your partner. <laughs> and, um, it, it includes a side of compliment sandwich. So two different yes. things after sex, the morning after sex. When something was great and when something wasn't that great, which if you've had like at least a 45 minute session, the odds are there was something great and there was something not that great. Mm -hmm. Like that just happens. So you got donuts, you got pastries from your favorite place, you got coffees, you guys sit down and you're like, oh, babe, that thing you did with my neck, like base of my neck. Oh my God. Melt. Loved it. Please. Yes. More all the time. And take a bite of donut and sit back and like take a second and let him revel in the compliment that you just gave him. And then you're like, hmm. And then you know that thing that you did later, um, a little further down with, um, you know, a, a pencil from the side table that was interesting and, um, it didn't really do anything for me. And so like maybe next time we could try like this or this or like a variation of this. Like I would be really interested or excited by that and then close it up with like, and then of course, you know, your signature was, oh. Right on, right on, you know, and just kind of end it with another compliment like this, this compliment sandwich works in all things. I've used this in like upper management, like dealing yes. with employees and stuff like this. Yeah. Is, you can use it yeah, anywhere. Absolutely. It works great in the bedroom, guys. It works really <laughs> great. And I was so excited to like bring that knowledge from like corporate America into the bedroom and actually have it, you know, do something. So that's like one of my favorite ones. It's so constructive and then give them a turn, like, and then give them a turn, ask them, be like, you know what? Like I, I maybe admit, be like, like, I don't know if you noticed or not, but like, I definitely tried something different. Like, did that work or not? Like, did yeah. you like that? Would you like more of that? Would you like less of that? And just be really like, get really comfortable about it. Just like you're talking about anything else, you know, it, and it's getting in the practice. If you're not in the practice of having these conversations, it is going to be uncomfortable and awkward. Yeah. And you just have to laugh your way through it. Like, that's why donuts are involved. Like you want to make it a, <laughs> a positive, you want to have positive associations to these conversations. Um, and then another one that I really like for people who struggle with being direct and who maybe get a little flustered when they're trying to like ask for what they want or give feedback or anything. And everyone always thinks I'm kidding for some reason when I say this, but I am definitely not kidding. Write your partner an email, literally write them an email 
in the subject line, be like, not safe for work or whatever, but, but then <laughs> send it to them at work, people. but then send it to them at work. That's very important. And just like in it, do the same kind of thing. Be like, babe, last night was so hot. I loved blah, 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 blah. And then like this, I didn't love as much, but I appreciated that you were trying and I would really love to explore X, Y, and Z with you. Like I've been thinking about this. I think it would be really hot. What do you think? And send whatever you need to communicate that mm-hmm. way so that two things can happen. One, you have the space and the time to actually get really clear on what you want and what you're asking for. You can communicate it eloquently without the pressure of someone looking at you or you getting embarrassed or whatever. And then they can process it on their end. If they feel a little embarrassed because something they did didn't work for you or whatever, they don't have to have that response in front of you. They can have it in private. They can cool off and then they can go back and like (laughs) read over it the third time and they can see all of the nice things you said to them and they can be like, oh, you know what? It would be fun for us to try this or this. And then they're prepared to come into a conversation with you and it can be easier too. Like that's a great way to start the conversation because it started while you were apart and then you come back together over dinner, you have a glass of wine and you're like, so that email I sent like thoughts and then you guys can get into it because you've already like prepped it. So those are a couple of ways that I really like to utilize, um, to get into stuff. And then the last one that I will share is just a quick, and I give this to my coaching clients all the time. It's a really quick exercise called I want, I need, and I use sticky notes. And I saw you that just, you were yeah, posting about that yes. the other day and I was like, oh, I like it's that. It's so easy. And like you can use it for all kinds of stuff. So I'm not going to, I'm going to keep it specific to this, but take a sticky and just practice like every day. It can be something so small and it doesn't even have to be like crazy sexual. It can mm-hmm. be like, I want you to squeeze my ass more, like just in passing when you walk by or whatever. I need like a 30 second make out when you walk in the door. Like that's what I need. Yeah. That. And just, and then like give it to your partner and just, and practice. If it feels weird to give it to them right away, practice writing two different things. One thing you want and one thing you need sexually on a sticky every day, even if you're just putting them into your journal, because this is getting you into the habit of checking in with yourself and being like, what would feel so good? Like what would yeah. make me so happy? Like what would, what would make me shiver with pleasure? Like what would make me so excited to see him? What would make me want to have sex more? You know, those are the things and I'm, you know, using, um, pretty traditional, like, his, her, male, female, like that is my experience. But these things work for, I mean, these, these communication tips and things we're sharing, these work for everyone, regardless of orientation, gender, et cetera. So I want to make that clear. I am a cis woman living my experience, but these are inclusive. Like these are things that anyone can do with their partner. I think, first of all, that is amazing advice. And just circling back to like the email and stuff like that, I've had to work on some confrontation skills in the past couple of years and not even just in relationships because I'm currently single right now. But I will say that like um, if there's somebody that's either making me uncomfortable or something on like a dating site, like I'm going to let you know, I'm not just going to be the ghoster. I'm going to let you know and stuff like that. So I've really tried to work on that because I feel like what you put out into the universe is what you get. Um, but I will say there have been times where like I've advised people like, oh, I don't think you should send the text. Like you have to have this conversation. And then I found myself um, back in like the fall, I was not getting my needs met at all. And I needed to just say it. And I sent a text and it's one of those horrifying things where I'm like, I don't feel like you want to have sex with me. Can we talk about it? And for the record, we broke up the next day, but he didn't even answer me. So like even sending that communication is like, you have the courage. It's not about the outcome. You just have to like throw Mm -hmm. it out there. But like, I knew deep down that something was wrong and this probably wasn't the relationship, but it is probably one of the most uncomfortable things. And I'm not the only woman that's experienced this. Like I have a couple of friends who have been like, I don't understand why they don't want to have sex with me. And I was like, have you asked them? Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, and the things are different, but I think like sometimes you're with someone for a long time and then all of a sudden you're just like, Oh wow, we haven't had sex in three months. Like, what do I do? And you know, the short answer is just go ask for it. Yeah. But that's probably one of the more uncomfortable things I've ever had to ask in a relationship. Yeah, it is. It is really uncomfortable. And you bring up a good point. And that's that, like these tips and tricks I'm giving you, these are um, wonderful, especially if you're like freshly dating and you can kind of like make a game out of it or, yeah. you know, or I mean, but they, and they work great with partners, but a lot of that has to do with your partner and the situation. And 
you know, like I've used tools like this before in my own, I've been married for almost four years and we've been together for seven. We have a baby now, like we've been together having a lot of sex for a long time. (laughs) And so, you know, we're to the point now where like before it would take me three days to like really like ponder the most, um, efficient and clear way I could communicate to him without like hurting his ego. And like, it was this whole balancing thing that I did to be as like courteous as I could. And now it's literally the kind of thing where like we had sex the other night and it was great. You know, it ended up being great, but he like rushed the warm up. And so the next day I was like, honey, like I love you, but you're rushing the warm up. You're rushing it. And I was like, and I am like a pro. So I know what to do to like get things in order as quickly as possible. I'm like, but you rushing the warm up always, it always means yeah. discomfort for me always. Yeah. So like when I'm asking you to slow stuff down, it's not because I'm trying to have a three hour long session with you. It's because I'm uncomfortable. Like it doesn't feel yeah. good. It no. does not feel good. And I know you were like hot and heavy and in the moment. I'm like, so be hot and heavy in the moment and grab some lube and swab some on there before you yeah. shove in. Like that's the only thing that we like, we got to get on the same page about that. Cause like I yeah. am not down to have 15 minutes of my experience suck because you're in a hurry. Like that's not okay with me. No. You know? And I and some, think, go yeah. ahead. Well, you just sometimes you have to address things. Like, especially if you've yeah. addressed things in detail before, if you've like let them know, like you have to revisit sometimes. And sometimes it's just like, honey, I love you. But like, that was freaking selfish and it wasn't great for me. And I would appreciate it next time. If you spend a little more time doing the thing I've told you how to do. That'd be yes. Great. No, you know? I love it. And I think like, as we get older, or at least for me, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, you know what? I don't want my experiences to suck. So I'm just going to kind of put it out there and try mm-hmm. to do it in the nicest manner. But I mean, again, been single for a little while now. So it's like, I don't have like those kind of experiences, but I feel like in life in general, you should be, you know, saying to people like, this is what I need from you. Like, you know, like whatever. Um, but when I thought, when I first saw you, um, on the stage, we, I, I was at one of your events and you did this thing where you sent the cards around and it was hashtag asking for a friend. Loved it. And I'm going to be honest with you. I wanted to throw up on the floor because I thought we all had to like put a question on there and you were going to like pick a, I don't oh, know yeah. what I thought I'm you like, were going to do. Be like, Jackie, step like, up to the mic and let me address your fear of anal sex. And you're like, what? <laughs> so I was like so horrified and I'm like sitting there and I was probably like, why does it ghost? But what was really interesting is my first thought was I probably have so many questions that I want to ask right now, but I hadn't even had sex in like probably an alarming amount of time because I had spent, um, I had spent almost two years figuring me out because I spent Mm -hmm. so long being uncomfortable in my body, being uncomfortable in my life decisions and just who I was that I was like, I don't even know what I want to ask right now. And I was like, if she points to me, I'm going to be horrified. And then you were like, don't worry guys, you're just going to like pass them down. But I love that you do that segment because you talk about all the hard things And you, I mean, you're awesome at it. Like you just like throw it out there, which I thought was so cool. Um, what are like some of the questions that you feel like you get all the time that people are like, yeah, hashtag asking for a friend. Like, are there questions that come up all the time that people want to ask you? Yeah. And it, you know, it's so funny because the very first one is what if I don't know what I want? That's literally all the time. I'm always like, here's how to ask for what you want. And they're like, cool. Glad I know how to ask for it, but like, what (laughs) do I I actually want? Like, I don't know what I want. And what I have found in digging into that question with most women is that the reason we don't know what we want is because when we were raised with this shameful view of sex and sexuality, then masturbation and self-pleasure were off. They were like off limits. You weren't allowed Mm -hmm. to do it. You were bad or dirty or gross or perverted if you did do it. And one of the single most, if not the single most effective way to learn what you like is to explore your own body. That is like huge. And so there's this huge disconnect. And I've recently started referring to myself as an intersectional coach because (laughs) like I am down with 
I love divine feminine like studies. I'm into feminine wholeness. That can be really mystifying for people. Like women are like, I just want to have better sex and understand why I feel so weird about my body and shame. And you're like, that's connected to everything like sexuality and spirituality. They're connected. Mm -hmm. But if you go on and you start talking about your sacred pelvic bowl, you're going to lose a lot of women because they don't know what you're talking about. It's just easier to say that I'm a sex coach than to say, oh, I'm a feminine wholeness coach. (laughs) But it's like, it's both of those things. It's all about sex and femininity and feminine energy and our divine connection to ourselves, to our source, to our sensuality, our sexuality, and our pleasure, all of these things. And so really like bringing that self-pleasure, and I say self-pleasure practice because it sounds better than masturbation. Some women are totally turned off and are totally like traumatized by or triggered by the word like masturbate um, because of porn culture, because yeah. of how grotesque it is and, you know, all of that. And so whatever word, you know, you can do whatever, whatever word you want, the pearl, yeah. whatever yeah. makes you feel like feminine and wonderful about it, but like exploring your own body in a sensual way, not even a sexual way is so, so important. And that can be like self-massage, which can include your vulva and your clitoris and your vagina. That's cool, but it doesn't have to. It can be you in the shower washing your, like sudsing up with soap and just like understanding, taking the time to like feel the sensation as you take your own hand from like your fingertips up your arm, over your shoulder, around your neck, like touch different parts of your body and figure out like what feels nice for you. I have had moments literally getting a scalp massage, like during a, like hair, getting your hair done and you just close your eyes and you're like, Oh my God, absolute bliss. Like every nerve tingles, (laughs) every nerve is tingling. And most women just like have that experience, which is wonderful. That's a, that's a one-off. But what if you remembered when you were in partnership that you love that you could have your partner wash your hair for you. You could go into the shower and have your partner give you a good scalp massage with shampoo and like all the stuff. And you could create, recreate these sensual experiences that you have pioneered on your own with a partner. Mm -hmm. And so learning how to touch yourself, learning what you like to be touched with, learning different speeds and strokes and massage and like direction and sensation, like all of these things are so important. And if you don't know what those are for yourself, you cannot communicate to someone else what you want. Yeah. And so that, that's like number one, that is the number one thing that people come to, you know, come to me about. And the other one is generally around body stuff. It's generally like, oh my God. Yes. It's like, I want to have sex, but I don't feel comfortable in my body or like I'm so in my head thinking about whether my, my rolls are showing or my thighs are jiggling or whether he can see my cellulite in that And they don't care. Like they're like, we're having sex. Like they don't care. Most of them, I would say most of them don't. Most of them have a vision of you that you don't have of you because we all suffer from body dysmorphia. So we all are seeing a bigger, jigglier, more cellulite like not as polished version of ourselves than A, we actually are, and B, than our partner sees. Like they mm-hmm. don't see that stuff, especially not, and not until you point it out to them. So yeah. for one, like stop pointing out stuff to them because no they, I mean, like really, like they don't notice. So like stop pointing it out to them. And you know, that's one of those things that confidence is you know, it has to be learned and it ha- it has to be embodied. Like you yeah. have to feel it in your body because I can tell you right now that six, almost six months postpartum from having a baby, my body still doesn't look like it did before I had a baby. You guys, mm-hmm. like I have what I call a kangaroo pouch. Like, you know, like I have like certain areas that have like come back really strong and I'm like, look at you go girl. And then other stuff where I'm like, Oh, I don't love that. Like, yeah. I don't really love that. But at the same time, like, the things I can do with this body, 15 extra pounds or not, like get out of here. Like, you know, it's like, I have the confidence in the fact that a, I am so much more than my body. Like I am my energy. I am my skills. I am my humor and my capacity for love and my capacity to nurture and to make someone else feel good. And to like, I understand what makes me feel really good. And so I can go into a bedroom experience with my husband fully confident because even though I don't love how I look right now, I know that he's going to have a great time and I'm also going to have a freaking great time, you know? And it doesn't, it's like, you're having an experience in a body. Like you don't need to get caught up necessarily on what the body looks like. And I know that that's really hard. I know it's really hard because I have times, I have days where leading up to the moment I have like 
criticized myself. I've looked at myself and been like, oh my God, I hate how I look in these pants. I just wish that I could do this. Like we all do it. We all kind of get caught up in the swirl sometimes. But then by the time we get to the bedroom, I'm like, you know what? None of that shit matters. We're just going to throw off the clothes that we hate. I look better naked than in these fucking tweed pants anyway. And we're just (laughs) going to like get on it. And once you're in it, if you can be so present in your body, and that's why sex should be so focused on pleasure and presence, because if you feel good, you forget what the fuck you look like. You really Mm -hmm. do. If you are being made to tingle and vibrate and feel great, you forget if your cellulite is showing or if your ass is wiggling. P.S. Everyone's ass wiggles when you're getting really good. I don't care what size you are. That's going to happen. It's called gravity. So like (laughs) we hope, we hope your ass is wiggling. If it's not, he's doing something wrong. Right. You actually did on your podcast. I'm trying to think of when it was. I can, this is so weird. I can remember where I was when I was listening to it. I, when quarantine happened back in like March. So this had to have been like either the end of March or the beginning of, of April. I decided I wanted to repaint my kitchen because the color I chose, long story short, it was like peach. It didn't go. I didn't love it. So like I found another color and I was like, you're one of my go-to podcasts. Like I listen pretty religiously. Every once in a while I get a little sidetracked, but for the most part I listen every week. And you were doing an episode on your body image and you were so vulnerable talking about like how you were when you were younger versus, and I think you were probably three months postpartum at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. I'm sure you know what well, podcast we're talking I was about. Literally, I do. Okay. I was it was probably, yeah, it was probably yeah. the end of March and you were just talking about how you were, you know, the, the struggle that you were in because a lot of times, especially as coaches, we talk about what happens after and we don't always talk about, all right, we're like in the shit. Like we want to tell you guys like, you know, what's going on. So like, what was that like? Have you sort of like gotten over that hump or are Mm. we still, we still in it? So that there's layers as always. It's a layered cake. Of course. I would say that there's so many pieces of that, that I have been able to heal and embrace and like move forward with that are Mm -hmm. wonderful. And what she's referring to you guys is I was sharing really openly about how I was struggling with accepting my postpartum body and just, I had spent years and years and years to get to a place of health and self-love with my body exactly as it was right before I got pregnant. (laughs) So I was like 28 years old. My husband and I had been traveling the world for six months. And I just, it was like a day that I will remember always. I was literally on the beach in like a thong bikini in Hawaii at the end of our six month tour. The sun was shining. My buns were tan and I was running around and I was just like, I feel fucking great. Like, I feel amazing. I like, I just, I love this like meat suit that I am in. It is so strong. It is so capable. I've spent so many years fighting it and I feel like we are best friends now and it's awesome. And then fast forward like two months and I found out I was pregnant. And so, you know, and that's a magical journey and whatever. Yeah. I didn't enjoy pregnancy that much, but my daughter <laughs> is fucking awesome. She's so and cute. She's so cute, guys. So cute. Like, I'm not even partial. Like, I I mean, I am, but I'm not. Like, I have strangers who are like, I just, your baby, can we get like an update on that baby? Like, she's she's really cute. So obsessed. But I also gained 50 pounds with that baby. Mm-hmm. And then she was born and I was like, yes, I'm not pregnant anymore. And in like a week or two, I was like, I literally feel like Kristen, like I have a baby, but I feel like me. And then I'd like catch a vision of myself in like a, in a mirror walking by and I'd be like, Oh shit. Like, who is that? Like, who is that? She doesn't yeah. look like me. And it was really hard. You guys, it was really hard. It triggered all of my years of like body image stuff. All the like stuff the you worked on swarming back. Shit, all of it, all the fucking shit, all the stuff, all the, like the desire to like control and to like work out more and eat less. And like all that toxic bullshit and sludge like came up, like up into my throat, like I could barely breathe. <laughs> and I was just like suffocating in it for like a month or two where I was just like, I don't know. Like I love her so much and I don't want any of my energy to be taken away from her and put on this. And then we do this fun thing where we're suffering and then we guilt ourselves for the fact that we're not evolved enough to not be suffering anymore. Right. And I'm like, I wish I wasn't even dealing with this. Like I should be further along than this in my growth journey. And it was a really good fucking swirl, you guys. And I, I like stirred it up really, really, really good. And then I did a podcast in the middle of it by myself. (laughs) I just like put it all out there. Yeah. And you know, I, since then. And that was healing. There's healing in that because the messages I got from women after sharing that stuff who were like, 
girl. Like I haven't felt right. So my kid is five and I still feel like that sometimes. Or like, you know, it was just like, I laid my soul bare and people were there like to hold me and to catch me and to support me and to let me know that like the feelings were valid, but that, you know, there's stuff on the other side of those. And I just, I needed that grounding really badly. And so that was really powerful in itself, just the sharing. And that's one of the things with the podcast. My message is around normalizing things. Yep or stigmatic or uncomfortable that people don't want to talk about because when you say them out loud, they're way less scary. They're way less dark and twisty once you get them out into the light. And so sharing that experience was really uh, nourishing for me. And, you know, I have definitely come a long way since then. I think it has just been a process of me returning over and over to the grounding and the tools that I know, just going back to what you know over and over. Um, I know that weighing myself is fairly destructive, so I don't do it very often. Like I just avoid it. I have a skill in my bathroom because my husband likes to weigh himself and he is obsessed with weighing our baby, which we've had conversations around that too. But at this age, it's important to know that she's like yeah, getting enough to eat. And so true. like we've been doing that. Um, but I just, there are weeks where like sometimes I'm curious and I, but I will literally ask myself, I'm like, are you able to check yeah, in? Are you like, in are, a can good you handle this today? Yes. yes. Because mm-hmm. some days I am. Some days I can hop on there. That number means nothing to me. It's just an indicator of like where certain things are at. Nothing yeah. really matters. Um, but like the other day I got back from being in Nashville for a week for my 30th birthday. And I was like, not able to eat the way that I normally eat. And I didn't really have the time to work out a lot. And it was like, I had kind of a swirly week there and I came home and my scales in the bathroom. And my first thought was like, I should weigh myself and see what kind of damage I did. And I was like, no, no, that's not productive. You should not, you should not. And I did not. I was like, "Mm, no, I was like this, because if I did, the number would mean something to me today. Whereas like in a week, it won't mean anything to me. And so just like having that awareness around it, it, yeah. it's, it doesn't, it doesn't go away, but you have this awareness so that you can do the kindest thing for yourself in those hard moments. And so just returning to eating in the ways that I know support me and make me feel good, but also support the calorie intake that I need right now yeah. because I'm nursing my daughter and then not feeling any kind of way about that and drinking lots of water and trying to rest as much as you can when you have a baby that like isn't quite sleeping through the night yet. And even taking time off of social media or unfollowing accounts of people that I love, but I just, I can't look at their abs right now because they're 25 and they haven't had a baby. (laughs) And I'm like, I love you and I'm here for you. And if you call me or you want to hang out in person, like I will do it, but I cannot look at pictures of your abs anymore right now. It's not healthy for Mm -hmm. me. And just really, you know, really taking care of myself, being so kind and so loving to myself and doing all the things that I would tell someone that I really, really loved to do. If my friend called me and was like, I'm in a swirl about my body. Like I literally go through and I'm like, all right, Kristen, like what would you tell them? And then actually do that stuff myself. Yeah. Oh no. I love that because I mean, I've had body image issues since I was eight years old with ulcerative colitis. I've had multiple surgeries on my stomach. Like maybe I could get abs, but there's like a lot of scar tissue and stuff like that. And sometimes I think to myself, because I love cake, like I love cake, like I have a huge sweet tooth. And sometimes like I used to shame myself and I'll be like, well, this is why you don't get abs. And I'm just like, would you like to live your life? Or like, can you just be kinder to yourself? Is it going to make you happy to eat this cupcake? Like, yes, it is. And I think, you know, we all sort of subconsciously have those tools Mm -hmm. that we can use. But I know like when you're in the personal development world, you know, you really drill it into your head, but there are moments where you're like, I should be further than this. Like exactly Mm -hmm. what you said, like, why is this still an issue? And I totally agree with you with jumping on the scale because I actually got on it a couple weeks ago and it was the first time in like months. And I was like, you know what? I'm in a good enough headspace where I just want to see where I'm at. Like I've been running every single day for like 50 days. Like, yeah, I feel like my body should have happened. Maybe let me just see. see. And I was five pounds lighter and I was like, damn girl. And like, you know, but it also goes the other way where like, I could have stepped on that scale and gained three pounds. And a lot of times I go back to, you know what, it's probably muscle and da da da. Mm -hmm. But I do go to that head spiral where I'm like, you shouldn't have that today. Or like, maybe you should cut your calories or do another workout. And like, you go through that shame spiral, but I really loved how open and honest you are. And I mean, I can't speak to having a baby or anything like that, but anybody who's talking to me about the struggle they have with their body image issues, like I'm front and center because I want to hear like what you're doing 
because I want to know everything that I can do when I feel that way. Um, Mm -hmm. And when we're comfortable in our bodies, like things just sort of fall in place. Like even with sex, when you're comfortable in your skin and you're not worried about like the rolls in the cellulite, you're just happier. Like you just, you, you, and you're just more confident in general, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. Well, and something that's coming in for me that I feel like I should share with you guys, it, it was so important for me during pregnancy. It was also, it's been incredibly important for me postpartum. And that is, we have the worst habit, uh, again, conditioning of squishing ourselves into our old mm-hmm. life and into old clothes and into old relationships and into things that no longer serve us or yes. flatter us in any way instead of just embracing where we are right now and like reacting and building our life and expanding accordingly and the fastest thing you can do for your confidence is to wear clothes that fit your ass right now. Yes. Like just go buy. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't it's matter okay that, that have, it's one size yeah. bigger. It's okay. It's or three sizes. Five yes. sizes. But guess what? When you put on a pair of pants that fit you or you put on a pair of dress that fits you, you feel so much better than walking around feeling like sausage over stuffed yeah. into like not enough casing. Like, that's just a fact and get things that flatter you. Like look up people, look for celebrities if it makes you feel better, look for influencers who have a similar body shape to mm-hmm. what you have right now. Not what you used to be, not what you would like to be. This isn't aspirational. This is present. This is right yeah. now. Find people with good style who have the body that you have right now and get inspiration from them and find things that are flattering. Wrap dresses do a world of good for someone like me yes. with a small waist and a big ass. Like those things, <laughs> they're awesome. I like throw that thing on and tie it and I'm like, oh, hello, you know, nurse. Like I just feel so good in it. And guess what? Like the confidence you feel when you're in clothes that fit you, it translates mm-hmm. to when you're naked. Because you like paint this whole picture of yourself and how great you feel and how sensual and connected to your energy you feel. And when you lose the dress later on the floor, that follows you and that stays with you. The feeling stays with you. So buy clothes that fit you, please, for Mm -hmm. the love of God. I always say too, it's actually funny. um, The podcast that comes out the week that you and I are doing this is about how to get out of a rut. And one of the first things I actually say is put on clothes that fit you that you feel amazing in and put a little bit of effort, especially now we're like, we're home a lot, even still like, you know, you're homeschooling your children, you're working from home, you can't really go anywhere. Like the world is a really strange place. I know that for me, like I wouldn't really get dressed for like a week and it would be like yoga pants, a sports bra and like a t-shirt. And all of a sudden I was like, Oh God, like I just keep getting up in the morning. Like, Oh, what am I going to put on today? Oh, the same t-shirt I wore like three days ago. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, I'm just like, like I'm wearing a dress today just because I'm like, why the hell not? But like put on something that makes you feel like you know, confident and amazing. And that can do a world of difference. Like there are small things you can do to raise your confidence. There really are. And that leads to big things and that'll show up in all of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm shocked your daughter hasn't gotten up yet. I'm (laughs) I'm like looking at the clock and I'm like, I can't believe we've been talking this long. This is like, it's like a miracle. Like, Oh my God, it she, is. We, I think she, A, she's incredibly smart and her pediatrician says that. It's not just me. <laughs> and last night her father had a talk with her and he was like, James, you're almost six months old and your mom has protected you from crying it out for a very long time. And um, that's all cool. But like, you are old enough now to understand what is going on. And so we're going to... We're going to start doing that. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to put you in your bed. I'm going to pat you. I love you. I'm going to check on you. I'll be back to check on you. But you're going to figure out how to go to sleep by yourself. I really enjoy that he had that conversation. Yes. We do do talk to her like that. So he patted her and she like fussed for a little bit. But I swear in like 25 minutes, she was out on her own. And last night, she only got up two times. She lost her pacifier at like 11 and he jumped up and put it back in. She woke up at like two 30 or three, like she normally does to eat. But then she, last night was the first time in her whole life. She woke up at like four in the morning and she like yelled, but then she like found whatever she found her binky and what yeah. and she put herself back to sleep. And she slept oh, until good. six o'clock in the morning. And then today I like took her in for nap time and I, cause she hasn't been doing naps very well either for the last couple of months. I got her in her little thing and I like put her in the bed and I was like, all right, I love you. I'm going to go and I'll be back to check on you. And she rolled over on her side and she fell asleep in the time that I was peeing. She I, peed. I didn't hear, <laughs> I didn't hear a peep. And I went and I looked in the door and she was just like, 
Susan. Oh my God, that's so good. That's a wonderful feeling. Because, yeah, that's a wonderful feeling. We're not going to jinx it. I we're actually, not jinx no, it. I have we're not going to jinx it. I'm not going on that. Things. No, nope, this is um, the new normal. <laughs> this is the new normal. We have worked for it. We've earned it. She knows yes. what's going on. Oh, we explained I love it to it. her so well that she knows what's happening and she's just going to get in line. Like that's happening, guys. <laughs> that's what's happening. Oh my God. I love it. Um, so we're not going to jinx it. I have one more question that I yes, ask ma'am. all of my guests. Um, and it can be anything. It doesn't have to be sex related. It could be anything you want. But what would you consider the most fearless thing you've ever done? Like, what's your fearless act of your life? If you could think of one thing and everybody's always like, and your face tells it all. It's like, oh God, like I always stump people. Oh no, I know exactly Oh good, okay. I gave birth to my daughter in my apartment, in my bed with no drugs. Wow, what? And I pulled her out of my own body and I put her on my chest. That is the most beautiful thing I have ever done. Okay, that is, I don't even know what to say. I did not know. Home birth, yes. Had a home birth, an unmedicated home birth. Labored for 24 hours. And then I was originally planning on having her in like a like a power stance, like standing, half squatting. Yeah. And I was so fucking tired by the time she decided to emerge that I literally had to lay on my side in my bed with my, I had my knee like pulled into my armpit. I pushed her out. And as soon as her head and shoulders cleared, I reached down and grabbed her under her arms. I pulled her out. I put her on my chest and I was like, bam, we fucking did it. Oh my, that is seriously badass like did you yeah. have like a midwife or anything I like, did yeah I didn't or, yes. okay. I, so I had a midwife <laughs> so not coaching though so this is this is really funny and this is gonna give you guys like a peek just into like who I am as a person so <laughs> I had a um, I had a doula who was there to support me but also to support my husband Mike as much as possible and they were amazing together and they helped so much but like once I got into that transitional labor phase it was like my eyes were closed. I was not communicating with anyone. I was like in my own, I was like talking to myself. Like I was in the zone. And even when she came, like my midwife, the only things she said, like once she got me situated, she was just like, you know what? She's like, you know what you're doing. I'm not going to get in the way. Like I'm like just, but like now it's now, now is the time do your thing. And she like literally got out of the way and didn't like, didn't get involved. And James and I, we did that. We did it. Wow. That is, uh, so that's that, the most fearless thing I can think of. Cause she literally told me yeah. like, that was, well, she used that word. She was like, that is the most fearless pushing I've ever seen from someone who's never done this before. She's like, yeah. most people are so afraid because of the sounds that you're hearing and the sensation yeah. you're feeling like you're afraid that you're literally ripping from your twat to your asshole. Like you think that's what's happening. <laughs> oh, and I was just like, there's only one way for this kid to come out. And like, we're doing it. And I was working yeah, with gravity and with my body. And I would just push with all, like all of my might. Like there was no holding back. I was like, this is the only way she's coming out. So this is what's happening. And she came out and I did not tear at all. You guys, I did not tear at all. That's amazing. Yeah. Cause I thought that was like the most common thing to happen. No. And I will, I will say this to anyone who is crazy like me and you are considering, um, the possibility <laughs> of home birth, uh, my husband. So this is a totally different thing for another time, but like real quickly, the perennial massage, I'm going to tell you it, that it's, it's a very strong muscle that is not used to being stretched and it is very, very tight if you've never had a child. And mm-hmm. so we would go in starting at like 33 or 36 weeks and it was seven minutes a night. I set the timer at first. It was horrible because we were doing it wrong. And so I suffered for like a week and a half. And then I talked to my midwife. We got some better instructions, but he massaged religiously every night for like seven minutes. That's all that it took. And it was enough to loosen it up and get agile so that it would give when the baby came instead of tearing. Oh, it okay. worked. So if anyone is like thinking, anyone pregnant not, ladies, <laughs> yeah, pregnant ladies, even if you're going to do, um, a hospital birth or whatever, if you're pushing, if you're doing a natural birth, yeah. it, you know, if you're able to do that, I cannot recommend it enough. It is not pleasant. It is not sexy and it is very <laughs> effective though. And it got us back to having intercourse with zero pain in five weeks. So like it's worth it. Yeah. You probably yeah. sold them on that. <laughs> Now. Call me up. Send me a DM. Right? I'll, I'll support you. Let me know. Let me know what you need. Well, girl, you definitely embody what I call a fearless female. I love that you put it all out there because I think if more people do that and more people break these stigmas, then we're going to be living in a better world. And 
it's just going to be awesome. Um, thank you so much for doing this podcast. Um, I want to having me. I want to plug you. So tell everybody where they can find you, and obviously, I'll put it in the show notes. Absolutely. Well, you guys, I love so I love Instagram. That's mm-hmm. that's my favorite medium, uh, other than podcasting. It's but at the same time, like you spend your time pouring your heart and your soul out on this platform. That at the end of the day, that content doesn't belong to you. And if they decide to like censor me because I talk about sex or whatever yeah. at any time, like I could lose access. And so what I started doing is I revamped my weekly newsletter. It's called Love, Sex, and Matcha. And that's where you get your pipe and hot tea every week. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and you can go to nothingconfidential.com where the podcast and everything is. And there's um, a, at the bottom, you can sign up for my newsletter. And that would be my favorite thing because every week I just write to you like I would on Instagram. And it's always different stuff. Um, I'm not putting all of my energy in Instagram anymore. I'm kind of saving the juiciest stuff for my newsletter because okay. it's my favorite thing now. I'm like designing it out. I put like... I put a matcha recipe in it this week because I've come up with a fast version now that I'm a mom and I don't have time to do my like 15 ingredient <laughs> latte anymore. Um, you know, I share the podcast. I share stuff that I just don't feel like, you know, putting energy into on a different platform. So please sign up for the newsletter. It's my favorite thing. It's my favorite spot to hang out. As old school as that is, it makes me feel like it's intimate. Like we really no, know. No, I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. So I love that. And, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm at Kristen.Henke on Instagram. If you want to see me there, you can get links to all of my other things there. The podcast, I would be honored if you listened and shared it with people who need it. Again, it's more conversations just like this one. Yeah. So, and you guys always, you know, I ask every week, leave the five star review. Yes, guys. <laughs> Subscribe, leave, leave the review. review, help the sisters out. Oh, it's so helpful. You don't even know. Like, it is it's because so it raises helpful. your ranks and you can get a wider audience. Yes, so, more people yeah. can see it, more people can listen. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you clout so that we can get more impactful people. We can get the kind of people you want to hear from on the podcast. I mean, it's yeah. awesome to record with our friends every single week, but like in the grand Same. scheme of things, yeah. people want to hear from, you know, guests who have like written books and done big stuff. And it's easier to get those people if they feel like more than three people listen to your podcast. So <laughs> definitely <laughs> leaving your review helps. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is that if, if you felt like this conversation was one that you've been wanting to have, and now it feels a little less scary, I do, um, every like at least like two times a quarter, I do something I call the living room and it's mm-hmm. my six week. It's a short little intensive. Uh, it's a very small group coaching experience. It's only six women. And we basically have six weeks worth of conversations similar to this, but we, you know, play, play games. Like I call it uh name the shame where we go through yeah. and we figure out like where the things that are holding us back from having the kind of sex that we want from being in our body and showing up the way that we want to from communicating what we need. Um, the things that keep us, from even learning what it is that we need. We dig into that and we do it in just a really small intimate group that feels like girlfriends. You come in as strangers, but you leave knowing just way too much information about each other. And it's actually (laughs) very empowering and healing. And it's literally my favorite space to show up in. And so if anyone feels like that is calling to them, I'm starting the next round on August 11th. And you guys can just Oh, wow. That's good timing. Two weeks. This will be out before August 11th. Awesome. So awesome. yeah, perfect. So, yeah. so just come find me, sign up for the newsletter. There's information in there. You can DM me on Instagram and I'm so informal. You guys, we will get on a FaceTime. I will not be wearing a bra and I will most likely have my baby. <laughs> most likely my baby will be there also. And we will just chat about what's going on with you and we'll connect and if it's for you, that's awesome. And if it's not, we'll just yeah. go and drink wine and it's like not even a thing. So yeah. I just am so grateful for the conversation, Jackie. I loved it. It was so fun. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful you did this. I appreciate it. I know we had some trouble connecting and I was like, am I being a pest? No, (laughs) you're not. Thank thank you so much for anyone. Like having a baby literally does kind of make you the worst human for a second. I'm always like, oh yeah, that sounds awesome. And then I realized like three months later that I never responded and I'm like, shit, I'm so sorry. She's going to think I don't care. And it's not. No, I know I've known enough people, but I'm like, I just, figured I'd circle back every once in a while and be like, Hey, so thank you so much. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you for circling back so many times. (laughs) I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I was like, I do want to talk to this woman. She just is not going to feel like I do because I can't remember. Like I have no brain cells. No, no, no. You're good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and you guys, thank you for listening. And you know, our motto here, be scared, do it anyway.